Live at 5, Sports of Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, it was uh, an exciting win for the Vikings on Sunday. I didn't get a chance to ask you yesterday about the Gophers at all, Jim. Another uh, kind of a bad loss for them, certainly. Your column today talks a little bit about P.J. Fleck and uh, how he kind of handles things and so forth. Uh, but the Gophers are in a tough spot right now. They just aren't playing very well, and I don't see it getting better in the near future. Well, that's the thing is that I think a lot of people gave him a lot of credit for winning nine games last year. To me, the context of that season made it a bad season. Mm. Uh, all those six-year seniors, best running back in the country, veteran quarterback program that a few years earlier had you know gone and and really impressed the the entire country, and they really didn't win impressively at all last year. They just had a really easy schedule. And then they went to a mediocre bowl and beat a bad team. Um, it just was not an to me. It was a really real underachievement. That was an underachievement. This is utter collapse. Yeah. This is uh, there's no way you should fall apart in the second half at Northwestern. There's no way you should get beat by 50 plus against Michigan, no matter how good Michigan is when you're playing at home and if you're a good program. Um, there's no way you should collapse in the fourth quarter against Illinois, and there's no way you should let a bad Purdue team beat you up like your high school team, uh, and you know, you, there's just a sense around that program right now that some of these players aren't playing very hard for this guy, uh, yeah. and all, with all the spouting of cliches and and buzz phrases he does, and however much he wants to make sound like he's doing this great job, uh, to me this has been a terrible two-year stretch for him. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, I mean, it, it, they're probably not ending in a bowl this year unless they go by GPA again for a team with only five wins. I mean, they could beat Wisconsin the last week. They could beat Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's bad, too. Yeah. So that's possible. Yeah, but if they miss a bowl game entirely, unless they were one of the lucky five-win teams uh, to be selected, uh, you know, clearly I would think P.J.'s got to be on the hot seat, doesn't he? I don't know. Hmm. Um you know, I, I just don't know. It, to me, Mark Coyle's pretty hard to read. Mm. You know, he, he got rid of Lindsey Whalen, and I can't defend Lindsey's record, obviously, but he got rid of Lindsey Whalen. I think it felt like he got rid of her because he was embarrassed by the way they looked in the Big Ten tournament. Mm. Although there was also some scuttlebutt around that he had told her that, that was a possibility and that she had to start winning. But Ben Johnson's, you know, finished last in the Big Ten two years in a row, and he still has his job. Um, so, you know, the real question is always, do you think you can get somebody who's definitely going to be better? Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting question for the program. I mean, I'm not impressed with what PJ. I was very impressed with what PJ did in 2019. I have not been impressed with what he's done the last couple of years. Does Mark Coyle, with a lot of experience in the business, various different stops, does he feel like he can go out and hire somebody who's better than PJ Fleck? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah, it's hard saying. And, you know, let's face it, the U in football faces an unlevel playing field. I mean, they, they have to go to the stadiums that have 108,000, 105,000, 90,000 plus people uh, within the Big Ten, and they play in front of 50,000, and they are not the preeminent team in town. Uh, you go to Columbus, Ohio, it's all about the Ohio State Buckeyes. It's all about the Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor and in Madison about the Wisconsin Badgers. It's not that about the Gophers. That's going to make it harder to recruit, isn't it? Yeah, I think it, it, it's always been that has always been the excuse, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of legitimacy to it. There's also the fact that 
some kids might want to come to a really cool metropolis. Yeah. You know, where where First Avenue Prince played over at First Avenue, and you can go to the big city and you can see great concerts. And I mean, the flip side of that is Minneapolis St. Paul has a lot to offer. Yeah. A lot of Fortune 500 companies, a lot of great jobs in town, a uh, lot to do. Um, you know, personally, you know, I would much rather go to school. I, I went to the University of Missouri because it was a journalism school two hours from my home and in-state tuition, and I went there really cheaply. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would have much rather been in a big city than in a, in a college town. So, oh. you know, and here, here's the other thing. Uh, Minnesota faces obvious disadvantages in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten is also really weak once you get past the top three or four teams. I mean, there are a lot of bad teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. And you could make a living just beating the bad teams. PJ's not beating the bad teams right now. Yeah. And the other thing is, we see across the college football landscape all the time, you see this guy go to this school that wasn't supposed to be win and just turn him around within two or three years and then leverage that for an NFL job or a bigger college job. So I think there might be a challenge of hiring somebody who's going to win and stay here. But there are people out here who would come here and win. And so let's say they do decide to move on from PJ in the offseason, although I think there's probably a significant buyout. I'm not really sure. Not that long ago since he really, uh, received his last contract extension. Uh, but would they go the, the route they did with PJ, a, a, a mid, mid-level uh, D1 conference to find their next up-and-comer or a coordinator? Uh, I know you said it's, it's hard telling who it would be, but if it were up to you to make the hire, not a specific person, but what type of person needs to come in here that you think could have success? I, one thing I always say is you can get really trapped in trying to hire a type, okay. and you can be looking for a certain type, and then you can miss a great coach who's not of that type. Mm-hmm. So I would say don't limit yourself to a type. Mm-hmm. But if if we're going to go down that road and say what kind of coach would be the best to succeed here, I really do think – you know, I, th- I think they've gone about it the right way in terms of, like, Jerry Kill and P.J. Fleck, people who had success at smaller schools, who know how to run a program, who know how to be the number one, who come here with an underdog mentality and try to elevate this program. It worked to a certain extent with Jerry. It worked to a certain extent for a while with P.J. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you hire somebody like that and they come here and they win, they might spend three to five years here and then go take a job at Notre Dame or North Carolina or whatever, but I think you have to accept that. I don't think you need to, every time you make a hire, say, we're hiring this guy for the next 30 years. It's a fast-moving business. Mm. I think you have to have an athletic director who can go find that person and then, if need be, replace him in three or five years if he has so much success here he leaves. I think that's actually a a good sequence of events. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we'll find out as the season moves along. I I, I don't think they're going to... I don't think they're going to fire him. Yeah, uh, I just okay. think it's worth pointing out that this has been very, uh, very much underachieving two years. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, uh, so baseball is coming up to a date here in their off season where it's I think it's called the reserve list has to be announced. That's the f- guys on your forty man roster that are not eligible for the Rule Five draft. Then, and anybody you don't have on that could be just drafted. I think what it costs them a hundred bucks or something to take somebody off your roster with the Rule Five draft. So uh, there could be some action with guys for the Twins who uh, they maybe don't think are going to be on their forty man. Uh, is is there anything going to happen here with the Twins as they come up to the reserve list designation? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. They've already made some moves, moving some of their better prospects onto the 40-man. Mm-hmm. I I have a hard time believing they're going to lose anybody significant. Okay. Now, it's 
it's a weird sport. I mean, mm-hmm. Johan Santana, they got me Rule yep. 5 draft. Yep. Uh, so there, there are people who get overlooked who, or late, or who end up being late bloomers. Um, it's possible that they will lose or gain somebody of significance. It's just hard to say. I mean, nobody knew who Johan Santana was when they got him. So uh, it, it's hard to project. You know, I, I just, in general, it's hard to believe that your 41st player, 41st most valuable player in the organization, it is really that big a deal. Yeah, but it might open them up to being traded, though, too, right? That's yeah, that's possible too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the uh, Minnesota Wild are headed for Stockholm, Sweden. Interestingly, uh, as the NHL, I, maybe I missed it. Maybe they've been playing games overseas for a while. I just haven't haven't noticed because the Wild hadn't done it yet. But uh, so they're they're calling it the Stockholm series uh, over there. So. Uh, interesting and maybe it helps to get away for the team i mean it's a team that's really struggling sometimes a good long road trip is a good thing i'm just not sure we want them to come back <laughs> i mean it's been bad yes. it's been bad uh and this is a team that you know their identity if you believe in that thing kind of thing in sports is be really sound defensively be hard to play against and turn defense into offense uh you know possess the puck let caprice off do his magic and and find a way to win close games, and their defense has been terrible. And Kaprizov has not been particularly good. Um, it's kind of I mean, all the worst things that can happen to this team have happened to this team. They've had iffy goaltending. They've played poor defense. Uh, Kaprizov has not been an elevator for the team. Uh, they haven't found right the right line combinations to get have productive scoring. Uh, the injury to Spurgeon hurt, but now they're playing bad defense with Spurgeon, which to me is really scary. And once again, I, I'm not saying they should fire Dean Evison. Um, I think he's a good coach, but you can't. I mean, if, if this continued, you'd have to just to see if you can shake things up. Yeah, it's just about changing the voice a lot of times in an NHL locker room, isn't it? Yeah, because uh, it, it's a relentless game. Yeah. You know, they see each other every day. They skate. You know, they have morning skates. Then night games, then practice, then morning skate, then night game. They travel together. It's a small locker room. Uh, they have constant meetings. It's such a grinder sport that you, I think more than any other sport, you can get really sick of your head coach if things aren't going well or if he, if he has trouble communicating in fresh ways. And, I, again, I don't think it's Evison's fault, but this more than any other sport, you just these teams just cycle through former coaches. They go find somebody else who – Another team was tired of, but they know he's a good coach, and they bring him in and hope to have a boost for a couple of years. They did, you know, Bruce Boudreaux is the, is the classic example of yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.